0: Locked on Rays, your daily Tampa Bay Rays podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
1: Hello, my name is Kevin Weiss. I'm Ulysses Sembrano, host of Locked On Rays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for making the Locked On Rays podcast your first listen every day. And remember, Locked on Rays is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube at Locked on Rays. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked on Rays. And you can email us anytime, LockedOnRays at gmail.com. We actually had a couple of fine folks email us not too long ago. So keep sending those in and we'll uh, plan a mailbag episode before too long.
0: You know, can I... Can I just do a little parenthesis before we begin? Sure. Go ahead. Uh, Those two mailbags, very interesting. They were about the same thing. They were about, hey, can you talk about analytics? Can you Mm. talk about same metrics? What can we look out for? Two different emails, two different people from different places asking for the same thing. You know, Kevin… People ask for something and we give it to them. So uh, don't worry, guys. We are actually working on a very cool idea for that. So you might have to hold mm-hmm. on and be patient, but we're working on something and hopefully that, that'll that that'll turn itself out to be a pretty good episode.
1: That might be in the cards for sure. Uh, of course, we will run the second part of our interview with Tampa Bay Rays prospect, minor league prospect, Curtis Mead. That'll be coming up later in the show. But First, Ulysses, we have some news, some business to take care of. Randy Arozarena is your American League Rookie of the Year, as you correctly predicted and I incorrectly predicted. I thought, you know, the, the voters might pull a fast one and give it to Lu- Luis Garcia or Wander Franco, but no, they pretty much went chalk with the
0: thing giving it to Randy.
1: Well-deserved, I will say, for sure.
0: 22 out of 30 first place votes i mean it was just a landslide uh, uh for, for randy i didn't even think it was going to be that yeah. much of a landslide i mean hearing your arguments kevin uh very well put and, and others uh i think when we had that talk with um d race bay um mm-hmm. in, in, in their podcast we, we were all saying you know wander i think i was on the randy train and you both of you are were on uh on the Wander uh, train there. And that was right before he got hurt. Yeah. We assumed he would have probably had 80, 80 some odd games to his name. Right. So then, so, so then I started thinking, well, you know, they they make good points, but uh, the voters were like, no, 22 out of 30. This is number one. Good for him. Uh, The video of him and his family uh, enjoying that um, his name being called was, was very heartwarming. Very cool. Uh, I will say this though. Mm. Um, I've even though to i no it is a great thing for randy to be named uh, rookie of the year sure i i did see a lot of negative reaction because of it number 1 okay that people saying oh my god he has been in the league for 3 years so I've made that argument yes i okay. have and number 2 Eno Saris, who I enjoy very much and mm-hmm. who always makes really, really good content on The Athletic, uh, saying that this could be the peak of Randy due to his age. Because of his victory lap, and I wanted to get your thoughts. Are, are the people, I know you've said it in the past, yes. but with a unbiased lens, is that a fair argument? Oh, he's been in the league three years when them's the rules
1: those are the rules and i think that is probably something that major league baseball needs or should change if we're going to keep going down this road of having these debates and arguments i am not taking away what randy did this season i think it is clear by the voting populace out there and and a lot of people that he is the deserved winner of the rookie of the year but there are a couple little things that again i think if if wander ifs and buts i get it but if he was healthy for another dozen games or so and i think it could have been a different story because i i take a couple of things with with randy rosarena and
0: i oh my gosh i i'm probably gonna get some hate mail for this
1: i i really am
0: but um well they got your twitter handle at kevin Weiss uh underscore so yeah. there it is
1: okay 2020 player correct correct let's acknowledge how he got to 2020
0: by getting caught stealing quite a few times
1: that and also he had four stolen bases in his final three games against the yankees basically garbage time stolen bases in fact a couple of those steals (laughs) were in a 12-2 ball game The, the the Rays had already won the division everything was in the cards they were good to go so it was like let's pad our stats a little bit to me it's almost like the equivalent of Wander franco leaning in and, and trying to you know get that hit by pitch so he can extend the on-base streak or or fame getting hit by a pitch like anything he can do to con- not saying that wander did that yeah, yeah, yeah. but that is one thing it just the manner in which he got to 2020 it wasn't the most natural oh he's he's coming up on 20 20- it's i will oh, tell I you four
0: stolen bases in the last three games uh against the yankees i will tell you i have seen with my own eyes batting champions like jose reyes get a a single in the first inning or second inning of the ball game and ask themselves to be taken out so that their batting average is not going to get hurt and they get that batting champion. Again, them's the rules. I I will say that. Again, fair enough. The other thing. Yes.
1: And it is your job. It is your role to beat up on bad competition and to be productive against bad competition. But what Randy did against the Baltimore Orioles – was insane i looked it up because you look back at it and you think man he had some really good games against the orioles i have the numbers right here wait make it a game okay guess uh guess how many of his 20 home runs were against the orioles this season i'm gonna go with four eight
0: (laughs) okay oh this is gonna be good in
1: 13 games he played 13 games against the orioles in eight home runs in 13 games. Okay. What did he... He had 58 Uh at-bats against the
0: Orioles Okay. this season.
1: What was his batting average? Mm,
0: 417.
1: 448. (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) So that's just a little... I I, I peel back the onion a little bit. Right. And I dig into the numbers and say, how did he get to these stolen bases? How did he get to these numbers? I don't know if... (laughs) It's, I know it's nitpicking, yeah. but it's just a couple of things. And plus, I, I'm going to keep harping on it. I mean, if we're going to be... I, I don't know how you feel, Ulysses, but the way I look at it is the Rays have had four players win Rookie of the Year awards. Correct. Evan Longoria, Jeremy Hellickson, Will Myers, and now Randy Arosa Arena. I consider Randy's win the least impressive of those four. Really? How come? Yes. The age the age and the aggregate performance you look at what evan longoria did in his rookie year right 2008
0: where look
1: i think you could randy people forget
0: how good evan longoria was and it's uh, kind of sad that own reigns fans forget how good longo was from 08 to 13. and that was where the rays were at a turning
1: point and that there was a lot of pressure on him yeah, to, to be, be the, the savior, guy. to yeah. be the face of the franchise so quick at 22 years old. In fact, I look at it like this. Again, I I hate to harp on the age, but Longo had three all-star appearances by the time he was 26.
0: So well, what time was he, was he brought up at 22? It's not Randy's fault to have his rookie season be at 26. Is right. not his fault. But I, to Eno Saris' point of... The decline comes around 26-27. So the long-term extension that we yeah. were all, you know, talking about after his insane 2020, which we both said after that, don't
1: mm-hmm.
0: do not do the long-term extension because you know, by by the by the time that you know you're paying real money, uh, you know, you probably don't want to pay real money because the production goes down. Yeah. ARP two, man. I said it in the play review and uh I, I'm sticking yeah. to it. I think ARP two is the the Goodbye, Randy. Uh, but until then, I I I don't think that this is going to be the peak for Randy. I I still think like he has a couple more seasons, which hopefully will be in a raised uniform, where he puts up similar stats to what he put up this year.
1: Although, and I think Eno kind of alluded to this, his batting average on balls and play was very much inflated Mm -hmm. this year. And why that is, I think it was 363.
0: Something like that. Yeah. So
1: and you can take into account Randy's speed and hustle and how he gets some of his hits, but there may have been some luck in some balls that may have gone foul. They actually stayed fair because of the spin on the ball. There's a lot of different metrics that you can look at it with that. I'm just saying that in, I, I think the voters at the end of the day pretty much got it right with the sense of how they ranked it in and, and Randy, Luis, Wander, Adolus. If, if we go by war, it, it, it kind of lines up like yeah. that for the most part.
0: Yeah, no. So. I, I think look, overall, congratulations, Randy. I think well deserved. Overall, with the bodies of work that were put by all the rookies, if you don't like a three-year rookie being a Rookie of the Year, well, then the rules change cost, the rules. Bird. But before you change those rules, how about you change the rules that affect uh, Renfro in Game yeah. Three? How about you change that rule? How about you give a little bit of subjectiveness mm-hmm. to the umpires? While well, you have six umpires in a playoff game, when four will do the same job. Because you're not even taking into consideration that extra pair of eyes and brains. Hey, Kevin, am I over it? No, I'm clearly not over it, and it's been over a month. Question: Yes. Out of all
1: the rookies in the American League that got some votes, whether first place, second place, third place, Randy, Luis, Wander, Adolis, Emmanuel Classé, Ryan Mountcastle, Shane McClanahan got a second place vote, and Alec Manoa. Uh, which of those i think i know your answer but which of those players which one will have the best career out of all of those
0: Luis garcia looks pretty good looks i i i stuff. i i i i like i um, i think i have i about that i mm-hmm. air. Um, luis i I, like i mean wander franco i mean Wander at the top i think yeah we can we can that's why i didn't mention okay i understand we can take him out of the equation there but no i i I like luis garcia man i I think he he's going to be durable he showed it man what he's 24 years he's the same age as shane McClanahan, and pitched like 40 more innings didn't he just about yeah i think 32 and and so and not only that but he did it in like i think a handful more starts like uh, right so like three, four more starts. It's insane what Luis Garcia did.
1: Yeah. And also, I mean, I will credit Shane for what he did. The the numbers don't quite measure up to what Luis did, but I do like the fact that he got a little bit of a a nod and homage just because he did have to step into that ACE role after glass now went down and Rich Hill was traded and Brian Yarbrough wasn't the player we expected. And Michael Walker for the most part, wasn't the player. Like he very quickly, he had to grow up and and
0: you're, you're a guy now you're a dude no you're the top of the rotation like get us there and by the way we we treat everybody with kid gloves but we're still going to treat you with kid gloves but you know maybe junior gloves instead of you're, you're you're in middle school you're in junior high not elementary how about that there we go yeah fair enough uh do you agree with my statement that
1: uh randy his rookie of the year was is the least impressive of the four rays ones
0: i agree on the age thing because will and evan and and jeremy were very young. i mean i think if they were able to legally drink they still did not know you know the liquor before beer beer before liquor right yeah
1: i mean jeremy Hellickson, just looking back at it he had a
0: a sub three era and 189 innings pitched that's insane yeah Uh, (laughs) imagine imagine getting that from like Boz and 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 Patino next year like we would all be yeah. like oh my god these like we had that and that was a period where there were still quite a few studs in the AL East that he had to go up against
1: So oh, yeah some legends for yeah. sure and then Will Myers of course what he did in 88 games at 22 years old 13 homers 831 OPs and that's why I put Randy a little bit lower not taking it away from what and he that's did okay
0: and that's okay yeah. but let's also remember that not, not a lot of people have had a twenty twenty season. Okay, a raise uniform. I know. Even on bases in the last three games. It doesn't matter. Oh my gosh! I'm now going to be
1: nitpicking every time I that uh, Randy gets a home oh. run off Adam Plutko or something. Yeah, I'm going to go nuts. Yeah. Hey, it, it has to be off Chris Sale. All yeah. your all your good hits and all your home runs,
0: all your productions have to be off good. Play. Oh, we're in Camden Yards. This don't count.
1: Uh, oh my, oh my gosh! Yeah. So there it is. Randy is your rookie of the year again. Really. Seriously, congratulations to him. It was just, uh, it, it wasn't the most, I guess, exciting ceremony because we kind of, and even though we had the debate back and forth, I guess at the end of the day, it really wasn't much of a It debate. wasn't a nail-biter, no. 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 Uh, uh, we will find out with the uh, Manager of the Year Award later on today. And here, I'm going I'm to throw a hot takeout before we move along uh, with the Curtis Mead interview. Um, Wander Franco, his career war, will be double Randy Arenas when it's all said and done. Uh, wow. Yeah. Wow. I am that confident in Wander. And he's got like a six-year head start, too. Well, yeah, that helps. He's so, telling me, yeah. Uh, all right. <laughs> I think that is let, that.
0: Let, let's enjoy part two of the Curtis Mead uh, interview, which, yeah. by the way, if you did not, go watch it on YouTube. You still can, mm-hmm. folks. Go watch it on YouTube. Subscribe. Hit that little thumbs up. Yes, and, and, and help us out. I think this is, uh, you know, one of our, our most viewed videos. So thank you all for for enjoying the the YouTube ness of it all. And come join us on yeah. YouTube. Go and f- if on there, if if there's a raised player prospect that you would like to hear from,
1: let us know, and we'll try to get them Ooh. on the show and and uh, reach the olive branch out there. Uh, before we get to Curtis Mead, we first have to tell you about Bet Online. Bet Online is back and better than ever before. A new web interface the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. So head over to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code LOCKEDON, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N to receive that bonus bet online it is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports and it's where the game starts now going forward looking at the upcoming season 2022 what are you after the fall league finishes and and you go into the off season what are you kind of looking to improve or hone in on is it something defensively Is it something at the plate is it getting a little bit stronger and bigger what are are there a couple data points that you're looking at this is my goal or these are some of my goals for this upcoming season in the minor leagues and hopefully in the major leagues at some point uh
2: i think it's to continue to work on my strength and mobility uh from from a big standpoint this is going to be the first off season in four years that i haven't gone and played in australia so I think I'm going to take advantage of that and get in the weight room. But, uh, yeah, and as well continue to improve my agility and speed. Um, Try and just become the best athlete I can this offseason and see how that translates into my baseball, you know, whether I start throwing the ball harder, running faster, hitting the ball further. Just, yeah, obviously I'm going to continue to kind of polish my baseball skills. But, yeah, I guess uh, see how good of an athlete I can become.
0: You know, you talk about the the the, the strength, the strength, and and working on that. Uh, I, I want to know how you look at numbers. Are, are you more of a traditional guy? I mean, are you are you when you see your twenty twenty one line of an eight seventy eight OPS? Are you happy about that, or are you happy about the three ten batting average, or are you more of a one forty one WRC plus kind of guy? Do you more lean onto the, the traditional stats, or are you more of, of a, a new age analytics guy?
2: Uh, probably for a baseline, probably a a more traditional guy, but I'm definitely starting to take more of an interest in, you know, OPS, WRC plus, all of those things and starting to understand that. And I think, I think they're definitely better judgments of a season and how they've been going. You know, I actually keep a journal just for myself and for my um, mental state when I'm struggling of, of how many quality at bats I have per day because I find that's a a better stat for me to kind of judge myself on rather than how many hits I got that day but I mean it's definitely nice to look up to on the board and see you're hitting 300 so but yeah I would I would say I'm kind of more so traditional but now leaning towards the new school and I think that's where the game's trending and I think it's good for hitters you know to to not judge themselves against the more traditional ways.
0: Yeah. And I I don't want, I don't, I don't mean to pry. You don't have to tell me all the secrets that are in the journal, but can you give us a a little bit of, of, you know, a a little bit of imagery of what actually goes from, from the ink to the paper on, on when do you, when do you write these thoughts down after the game, before the game, while during the at-bats, what's the content? Can you talk a little bit about that?
2: Yeah. So purely, mainly just after the game, you know, and some, some days I don't really feel like it. I went four for four. I don't need to write down that I had a good day. <laughs> um, you know, I, I already feel amazing. So, but yeah, it's more on the days that I've struggled, you know, I've, I might be over four, two strikeouts in a line out or something. And, you know, that line hurts a lot more when you're over for 3 than it does when you're 3 for 3. So, yeah, I, I I write down my preparation and how I prepared for the day, you know, how I slept, what I what I ate, what uh, how my hydration's been going, and then I write uh, my fielding efforts, how I went in between innings, um, how I went during the inning, and then uh, an overall score on that. And then I rate my at-bats based on uh, – a few metrics that I have for a quality bat and how many quality bats I had. So yeah, I just try to keep it pretty basic and more things I can control. So then I guess on a daily basis, even if I don't have a good game, I know that I kind of put everything in place to prepare for a good day. So that I did everything I could and, you know, it didn't, maybe it didn't happen today. And it, and I had a rough day, but, I mean, I, I did everything that I planned to do and I, I took care of my stuff. So, yeah, I think just keeping everything consistent on a day-to-day basis is is important, and that's kind of what I write down.
1: Now, is that something that the Rays instructed or advised <laughs> to their minor league players of keeping a journal of – how you sleep, what you eat, what you drink, mm-hmm. uh, and you're at bats and what you do at the plate and in the field? Or is that something you kind of took on your own or you you got the idea from another player or a coach? Just how did that how did that idea come about?
2: Yeah, so initially it came from uh, Hannah Huesman. She's actually the uh, Phillies mental skills coach. So my first year over there, I went through a really rough patch. I think I was like 3 for 40 in the GCO, and I was going, I'm so far away from home, I can't hear. Hit- at all at the moment, like, uh, I finish, I go for four and I feel terrible. And I was like, I just, you know, I need something day to day to reset because every day is a new opportunity. But I was just, you know, I was tumbling. I was going over four. the next day, I'd roll around. I had no confidence. I'd go for four again. And it was just not a good, uh, not a good headspace to be in. So we, we kind of worked on, you know, what, what are some things that I can judge myself on that are not performance, well, I guess outcome based. So mm-hmm. it started there and then um, transitioned over to the Rays. And I, I spoke with a few of our mental skills coaches. And yeah, I told them that this is kind of what I was doing. And, you know, it helped me feel better when I went over four or, you know, I, I wrote down no matter what. And they were like, yeah, this is a really good, uh, really good tool to have, I guess. And, you know, now we, everyone got a journal at the spring training this year. So it was pretty cool to see. There. So they're definitely encouraging it more now for everyone, and it's definitely a, a tool that we're learned, uh, taught, I guess. And, yeah, I know a lot of guys utilize it. So,
0: Kevin, I, you know me. I'm not a professional anything, uh, but that seems like a really great yeah. idea. I mean, just when you write down and, and, and you can look back and all the things that worked for you, I think that that's just fantastic.
1: Certainly. And, and, Curtis, I wanted to follow up on that a little bit. As far as the quality at bat, how do you go about – grading yourself on that and what you consider to be a quality of bat. I'm sure there's different levels of, you know, this was an okay quality of bat or this was a really good quality of bat. How do you go about judging and, and going through that?
2: Yeah. So initially I do number of pitches, so eight or more. I find that if I have, you know, I face eight or more pitches, I really made the guy work no matter strikeout, mm-hmm. walk, whatever the outcome. Uh, secondly, whether I reach base, so even if it's an error, you know I help my team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I help the team move along. So I base it, uh, walk, reach base. However, hit by pitch, um, and then again, uh, if I found the barrel. So if I if I hit the ball hard, I give myself a quality at bat because that's that's the name of the game. You know what I mean? You're trying to hit the ball as hard as you can all the time. So um, if I hit hit the barrel. So they're kind of the main three and I'll, you know, I'll take the, go a little bit deeper in the at-bat and I'll write in there if I think the umpire uh, did me dirty or something like that. So, (laughs) yeah, I kind of of write probably two or three sentences at the end of the day on how the at-bats went, whether I felt something in BP, whether I felt an adjustment in the field. And, uh, yeah, I'll kind of spend five or ten minutes at the end of the day um, filling that out. And I find a lot of the time, you know, if I'm pretty frustrated in my performance that after I've written it all down, I can kind of refresh and get ready for tomorrow.
1: Yeah. And you've been so good offensively as of late, and it's been something that's been talked about so much. And, uh, I just wanted to ask about your approach at the plate. What is kind of your bread and butter? Are you are you hunting first pitch fastballs? Are you looking at a particular zone in the plate? Are you trying to go middle, middle away? Just what's kind of your your mindset as you step into the batter's box of, this is what I'm looking to do generally?
2: Uh, I would say initially I'm trying to find something in the middle of the plate, uh, fast, soft, whatever it is. I'm, I'm trying to swing it as many middle, middle pitches as I can and kind of – not really – I'm not not too good at it, but not offer anything kind of on the edges or outside the zone. And I'm trying to hit the ball to the middle of the field. I'm I'm enough that I've got enough power to, to hit the ball out to center field, right center, left center. So I find if I aim aim big, I can miss big and get rewarded, you know, down the right field line or down the left field line. So, yeah, just trying to hit the ball as hard as I can in the middle of the field. And then
1: when you have – two strikes on you. And I guess it may depend on the count, but do you change your approach at all? Do you choke up? Do you go with a shorter leg kick or a shorter swing to put something in play? Or do you, are you just kind of, you don't really change things at all as far as how you, you go about your, uh, your swing.
2: Uh, yeah, I definitely make adjustments. I'm not sure if they're super physical adjustments, you know, I, I kind of shorten my load. I, I let the fastball get a little deeper, give the guy a little bit respect and, you know, one thing that really sticks with me is uh, Jason Ochart, who's the Phillies hitting coordinator, and he would always tell us before two strikes, um, he, "You may fool me, but you won't beat me." And then with two strikes, you may beat me, but you won't fool me. So kind of, yeah, letting that fastball get a little bit deeper and uh, being ready for every pitch because you know they're gonna throw the kitchen sink at you. So.
0: You know, we've been talking, uh, you know, I know chicks dig the long ball. We've been talking a lot about hitting, but what about the glove work? What about the arm? What, what, you know, I know first base, third base, you're a corner infielder. Um, How do you work on on the defensive side of things? How do you grade yourself defensively? Are you, do you you find yourself uh, making good throws? Can you talk a little bit about your, your work defensively?
2: Yeah, you know, that was a really big focus this year. Um, Coming into spring training, I I had a really good defensive year in Adelaide. Um, We played 25 games or whatever it was, and I didn't make an error. So I was coming into spring training um, pretty amped. But then, you know, the more I dove into it, the more I understood that I actually wasn't as good as I thought. Um, You know, my ability to make the routine play was really good, but the extra effort plays, my footwork wasn't, wasn't kind of where it needed to be. So I did a lot of work with our um I'm on league field coordinator Michael Johns and uh Ochoa who's our um infield coordinator so uh we did a lot of work this year kind of on my agility and my first step and my pre-pitch um mm-hmm. a few mm-hmm. little things to work on my footwork and uh yeah I think towards the back half of the year I definitely started defending kind of at a higher level that uh than at the start of the year so yeah I, I think I've got reasonable hands and uh if I can get my feet going, then I'm uh, usually a pretty good defender.
1: Do the Rays show you, besides the basic errors and putouts and assists and things of that nature, do they have some advanced metrics um, that maybe the the average fan isn't able to see that they show you of this is what your range is, this is how strong your arm is, this is your, your first-step quickness, that you can kind of see those uh, measurable things with numbers attached to them?
2: Uh, yeah, that's actually interesting because um, I think it was Taylor Walls one short stop of the year or something defensively. And you know they said, oh he, he made 12 plays that were over like less than 25% of being made a play or whatever. And we, I hadn't really seen anything like that. And I went actually went to the coaching staff and said, you know, like I want to see what my metrics were, like good, bad, <laughs> or ugly. I want to kind of see more in depth how you view me and how many plays, like above average plays I made and how many how many plays I didn't make that I probably should have. Um, so, yeah, they sat down with me at the end of the year and we went through all the that. So, yeah, and no, that was pretty cool to get that type of feedback and kind of understand where I'm at. Because um, I obviously knew how many errors I made and – how i had a reason uh, pretty good defensive back half um but then yeah to see that i made a few really like above average plays was pretty cool are
1: there any uh third baseman or first baseman in the big leagues or the minor leagues or in the Rays organization that you look up to or watch highlights of or you say i want to be able to kind of replicate what this guy does this consistency or this great play uh do you do you focus on that at all or it's just you're, you're kind of trying to be your own player and, and take input from the coaches. I didn't know, you know, when, when people think of third baseman, they might think of Nolan Arenado and and Matt Chapman and the Rays have a very good one in Joey Wendell. I didn't know if you kind of pick little pieces from each of those guys and, and, and try to make yourself a better player by seeing what they're doing and going from there.
2: Yeah, no, probably a big one's uh, Nolan Arenado. You know, he, I, I made the switch actually to, mainly third base in 2019 and, you know, I watched a lot of his footwork and, you know, there's a few things on YouTube about what type of drills he does and how he he trains his footwork and it's a little bit different to the middle of the field, which is what I played prior. Um, So, yeah, I definitely take a bit from him and, you know, I've talked to coaches. I said, oh, I saw him do this last night. Like, does that make sense or is that not really the right way to go about it? So, yeah, I've been working on the coaches a good bit and also another one who's actually – you know, he's really highly rated as a defensive player, but he's still kind of coming up into the big leagues is Key Brian Hayes. Um, Mm, He's a really good defensive third baseman. And actually my first year with the Phillies, his father, Charlie Hayes, was my assistant coach. So just started playing third and, you know, we worked on some stuff together that he's continually working on with Key Brian. So yeah, that was, uh, that was pretty cool. Now to see him, you know, go up to the big leagues and play a really good third base. And, you know, he's making some spectacular plays. Are pretty cool.
1: Certainly. And and Curtis, kind of moving along here with um, what you're looking to do in the future and uh, playing in the minor <laughs> league so far, I did want to ask, and, and we try to ask other minor league players about this as well, but, um, you know, you've, you've been at three levels this year, low A, high A, and then triple A, and you've played alongside a lot of guys, I'm sure. Are there any players you've played with that have really stood out to you and said man this guy's a really really talented player whether it's a pitcher or a position player or somebody that's just maybe a bat first only guy are are there any names you want to throw out there that are like man Rays fans need to watch out for for this prospect of course we, we want to watch out for curtis mead because you're doing great but it, an, another guy or two that you want to kind of give kudos to that that's a really really talented player
2: Yeah, I mean, probably two that comes to mind in high A when I played was uh, Greg Jones. You know, some of the stuff he does on the base pass is just incredible. And, you know, I could never do anything like that. And he, he really is a game changer. When he gets on, he's still second. He moves to third. You know, I remember hitting a ball to the outfield this year. He was on third and I was thinking, there is no way that's enough. And, you know, sure enough, he tagged up and he scored. And I was like, that's just incredible. Like, I don't really <laughs> deserve to be rewarded for a sack fly there. But, yeah, yeah, he was incredible to watch for the time that I, we played together at high A. And probably another one was Blake Hunt behind the plate. You know, you don't really understand how good a catcher is until you play with one who's a really high-level catcher. So, yeah, he's a really special defender. And, yeah, he had an awesome year behind the plate. Um, so, yeah, probably them too.
0: You know, Blake Hunt, we had on the show, cerebral guy, just a really fun, fun talk. And Curtis, every single minor leaguer that we've had on the show has said Greg Jones. Mm -hmm. It's unbelievable. Uh Uh, So, you know, maybe we should get him on the show. I know. (laughs) We've heard freak athlete uh, many times
1: on what he's able to bring to the table. Uh, Curtis, of course, it's not always about baseball. You got to have some hobbies. You got to have some things Mm -hmm. you like to do outside of the game and in your downtime. What are your hobbies? What do you like to do when you're not on the baseball field or working out or, or
2: training for the next game? Um, I'm a massive golfer. Um, I yeah. play golf probably two or three times a week in the offseason. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, I really enjoy playing golf. You know, something, especially over COVID, that I continued to play a lot. And it was, you know, at the time, I couldn't really get better at baseball. The facilities were limited. The coaching was limited. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to go to the driving range and see how good I can get. So it was something mm-hmm. I really improved on, and you know, it kind of helped me stay sane through in, through COVID. So yeah, it was pretty cool.
1: Well, we have that in common, Curtis, because I am an avid golfer. <laughs> uh, Ulysses knows that I'm usually at the driving range a couple times a week and yeah, on the uh, golf course on the weekends as well. Uh, I don't, I don't mean to pry or be rude, but can you share your handicap uh, with 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 the stick? What are you, what are you um, at right now?
2: Probably when I left for australia which was last off season in march i was a 1.9 um but right now i'm probably you know playing at five one point yeah
1: yeah so essential a very 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 elite (laughs) golfer as well i'm jealous already the the second golf question i have is um what are you averaging off the tee with your driver I, i would i would guess probably 300 plus yards or pretty close to that
2: yeah. Yeah. I'd probably say over three bills. Okay.
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. All right. I'm, I'm done with the golf questions because now I'm <laughs> just, uh, I'm going to go into my hole and, and be quiet.
0: Now. Well, <laughs> you know what? Kevin can do the golf. I'm, I want to talk about food, Australian cuisine. Is there something uh-huh. that you missed the most that you're like, Oh man, you know, what? I had an over for three with a couple strikeouts. I, I want to feel better, but I don't have blank here to eat. Uh-huh. What is that food that you miss most from Adelaide, Australia?
2: Well, it's not—it's yeah. not technically Australian, but we have it a lot, and it's really famous. It's probably a chicken schnitzel, so it's like a chicken palm, but it's—it's okay. uh, it's okay. like a breadcrumb uh, chicken breast and chips and a and a pint of beer on a uh, on the weekend Ooh. goes down nicely. So yeah. Oh my! That looks that, that 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 would be the best while watching baseball. Yeah. Imagine if they had it at the, at, at
0: the trap. That'd be great. Uh huh. Yeah.
2: Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, it goes down well. I bet it does.
0: That might have to be an ad uh
1: when when Curtis Mead makes it to the
0: bigs. There you sure. go. A marketing strategy <laughs> yeah. for the Rays baseball uh marketing team. There you go. Curtis Mead. uh and then we have uh you know some for, sort of Australian cuisine. I love it. Very good.
1: <laughs> like Curtis, it. thank you so much for joining us and uh we wish you yeah, the best thanks. of success going forward. We know you're I mean just by speaking to you, we know you're going to crush it this upcoming season and throughout the fall league and uh, the dedication to your craft and and going forward with that. So uh, I think I think we've we found that after people listen to this episode, there'll be a
0: lot more Curtis Mead fans out there. Is that fair to say, Ulysses? One hundred percent. And thank you again for taking the time. And really, uh, do you have a message for for race fans out there uh, that that might be listening to you on Locked On Race?
2: Uh. Nothing in particular, I guess. Yeah, just hopefully I can get up there soon and contribute. Um, yeah, and it'd be nice to win a World Series in uh, in the near future.
1: Okay, we once again want to thank Curtis Mead for joining us on the show. And if you get a chance, if you want to listen to it again, hit that YouTube page. That's the place to go to check it out and watch us in person and watch Curtis in person again. Thank you for making the Lockdown Rays. Podcast, your first listen every day. Now make your second listen the Locked On Bets podcast that is free and available on all platforms. We will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good day. Bye.